are worthy of all our worship this morning. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. There is no one like you. Um, you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God, Lord, and we come and worship you this morning. And I just want to pray for us as a church that you would bring our hearts to a place of worship this morning, Lord. Um, help us to see you uh, in your glory in a new way, Lord, and help our hearts to worship you. Um, and as we've come and worship you, and now we come to the part of the service where we want to hear from you, Lord, pray also that you would give us hearts that are humble and hearts that are ready to hear from your word. And so I ask that for us as a church this morning, you would speak to us and you would speak to us through Hayden as he opens your word. Um, so be with us in this time, I pray, Lord. Amen. Great. Thanks, Mikey. Ah, there we go. My PowerPoint's working. My sound is working. Thank you, Mike, uh, Mark, for doing that for me. It's uh, always good to sound good. So I trust the people at the back. And my PowerPoint works, which is great. Um, I'd like to say thank you for having me today. This is my second time uh, speaking with you guys, which is my privilege. I always find that when I get into God's Word for myself, I get far more out of it than you, you guys will ever get out of it. So I appreciate I thank you for coming to listen to the leftovers, of which, which I already have enjoyed. Um, I love the words of Jesus in Acts 20, 35b, which says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think in our Christian life, when we give, we actually get way more out of it. So thank you for the opportunity that I've got today to be really blessed. And uh, also for you guys, this year is a new year. Think of a way, what is your skills? How can you serve your church? What, what can you do? Are you into camps? Are you into bike ministry? Are you into the worship team? It's great to have the worship team this morning. Um, they probably got more out of it than we did because they, they spent an extra hour before church worshiping, thinking about the words. So look for a place to serve. Um, I normally go to Rally Street, uh, which is the sister church of this in uh, Cambridge with my wife and my uh, children. Hello, Annika. Um, and so hello from our sister church in Cambridge. Today I've been asked to speak on one of the six, uh, the seven, seven churches in the book of Revelations. You've been going through a Revelation series, and apparently I'm doing book number six, uh, letter number six. Is that true? Raise your hand if you've done the other ones. Cool. Okay, only half the people know what's going on. You have been doing a Revelation series, correct? True? Good. I'm here today to do number six. Okay, good. Very cool. I'm glad about that. Um, so with that in mind, um, I'd like to read um, the passage for today for us. Um, I'm going to read from the ESV. You can read from the NIV or the message, whatever you like. It's all God's word. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia writes, The words of the Holy One. The true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those in the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you, because I, you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world, to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write his name, the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, 
which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let me just pause and pray again. Father, I want to thank you for your amazing word. Thank you that we get the opportunity to open it now. Speak to us, Lord. Um, Speak to us personally. Amen. So in verse 7, you'll see there that we get the identification of the church. Um, the location of the church is in uh, modern-day Turkey, and we're given the, the spiritual um, identification. They're a church. They're called-out people. They are followers of Jesus. And uh, Turkey is uh, below, uh, left above Israel to the right of Italy, where the pandemic is at the moment again. So who's been to Turkey? Ah, oh, two or three people. I've never been to Turkey. Um, and this letter was written, oh, I guess, 2,000 years ago. So the first question that comes to mind for me is, why bother reading a letter to a group of people 2,000 years ago to a place I've never been, and 95% of you guys have never been to? And by the way, it's also re- rude to read someone else's letters. Really rude. Okay, this is a personal letter, and we are looking at this letter and we're reading it. So the initial question is, why are we doing this? Well, obviously the answer is this. Uh, this is scripture. This is written not only for them, but it's actually written for us. It's God's word. It lasts forever. Have a look what scripture talks about uh, when, it, when it thinks about itself. In Colossians, it says this, and when you've, this letter's been read among you, have it also read to the other churches. So they had this idea that this is scripture, that they had passed the letters for one church to the other. So it is private, but it's actually been made public for us to read. And we know that all scripture is what? It's God-breathed. It comes from God. It's written by a person, inspired by a person, but it's actually the words of God. So John writes this letter, inspired by the vision he's given, the truth from Jesus to these group of people. But he's actually writing to us today in 2021 in Waikato um, in this situation, which is really, really cool. Great. And so that's what we're doing. Today we are coming together as a group of people to what? Look at the apostles' teachings, to have fellowship, to break bread, which we'll do afterwards, to pray, to worship. And so this is actually for us. It's not an ancient lesson. It's not a historical lesson. It's not we're studying classics. We're studying something written to us. And so it's kind of really weird. It's a personal letter to them, but it's actually written to me. And so what the Bible contains is it actually contains the words of God. Now, I love the little Gideon Bibles. Anyone got a little Gideon Bible? Yeah. In the beginning of it, it has those, that little note describing what's in the Bible. And I love that. You've probably read it before, but let me read it to you again. It's called about what the Bible contains. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. Its discernments are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains the light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, the Christian's character. Here too, heaven is open and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is the grand subject, our good, its design, the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet, read read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It's a mind of wealth, 
a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. It gives life, it'll be open the day of judgment and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and will condemn all those who trifle or mix it up. And so when you read this in the beginning of the Gideon, who's read that before in the Gideon thing? It's only about three or four people. Okay, cool. I thought you would have. It's, it describes what we're reading. So today we're actually reading something that is it's amazing. It's God's word for us, which is cool. So um, just to outline uh, my divisions for today, um, I'm going to be talking about Jesus reveals insights for the believer's life. And I have three divisions. Jesus reveals his character. Jesus reveals his approach, his approval. And Jesus reveals his encouragement. So character, approval, and encouragement. So our first division is Jesus reveals his character. And you'll see in the text, he's got some of these characters. He talks about holy, true one, key of David, and I know. The book of Revelations is not an instruction manual on the end times, where you look up and say, okay, Jesus is going to be coming back by this afternoon, so therefore I won't prepare dinner. There's no point preparing dinner because he's coming back. And I've read the book of Revelations. No, the book of Revelations is actually revealing God's character, Jesus' character. And so it's revealing the person of Jesus. It's a revelation about the relationship that we as humans have with God. Um, you'll see in verse 1, it says it's the revelation of Jesus. The word revelation means to uncover. So the bread here is covered. It means to uncover. And it's not under uncovering what's going to happen in the future so much, but it's uncovering the nature of God. Um, I like how Tozer writes this in, in regard to this issue. So I'll just read this to you as well. This revelation of Jesus Christ has to do with his relationship to the Father, to the human race, to the church. It also has to do with his relationship to Israel, to the nation, to the enemy, the devil, and the coming judgment. Ministers faithful to the word of God have always said that Christ can be found in every page of the Bible. In Revelation, we see him dominating the eternal future. The mess of the book is almost overwhelmingly a portrait of Christ's victory, bringing about the final destruction of Satan and all his works. So this relationship, this is all about a relationship. It's not about, okay, is Jesus coming back next month? Because I'm thinking about buying a car. I don't want to waste all Saturday morning going to look at car yards if Jesus is coming back. This book is all about learning and getting to know Jesus. There are some interesting things that happen in the book, but it's mainly understanding his character. So um, we're given uh, four initial attributes or characteristics of God. Now, I was going to say, turn to the person beside you and tell them what your favorite attribute of God is. But I saw the way you responded before, and I don't have the, the piano to get you to come back to me, so I'm not going to risk this. I'm going to just, just think in your own private, what is the characteristic of God you most are blown away by? And there are heaps of them. There's probably 50 of them. Here we're given four of them. And we're given four just to introduce us to who Jesus is, to encourage us when he does give us some more information later on that we know who this person is. So let's just walk through some of these. The first one is holy. He's obviously supremely moral. He is divine qualities. It's used in the gospel to say, this is my son. This is the holy one. It describes Jesus as uh, coming from God, who is God. And this is not, in Jesus, there is no sin. Not even at 0.00001%, right? Completely holy. So when we have a relationship with this person, he is completely trustworthy. In New Zealand lately, we've had a problem with the lead in the water. 
in the small town down south from here, right? And their leads have been too high. In Jesus, there's no lead at all, not even a 2%. There's like no acceptable level. He is holy. And so we're in a relationship with him. We can completely trust him. Secondly, he's the true one, authentic, faithful. His history, he was a real person, is totally true. Uh, he has the keys of David. He is sovereign. He has the sovereign ability to allow us into heaven or not. You'll see in this passage that they were kicked out of the local synagogue. They would have probably felt intimidated, frightened. And here Jesus is saying, I actually hold the keys, not the local church. doesn't matter what the pastor says. It's actually, I hold the keys to salvation, not a particular place. So it would bring encouragement. And then the final one there that he mentions is, I know, which is omniscience, is all-knowing. We have an all-knowing, amazing God. It's a, a quality of him. Wayne Grugan uh, describes it as this, God fully knows himself and all things accurately possible in one simple eternal act. So it's kind of hard to grasp this kind of concept of who God is. Um, so basically, he's the quality of knowing everything. He's complete. He's perfect. Uh, certain knowledge, independent knowledge. He doesn't need to ask you something. Simultaneously, he knows everything at the same time and innately. He just knows it. And it kind of blows your mind. Um, there could be lots of verses we could turn to to talk about this concept. Just want to hit one verse, Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. So he's greater than Google search. He knows everything about us. You can Google me and find all about me, but God can Google us way better. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you know my thoughts. My wife knows my thoughts sometimes, but not always. She gets it wrong. You search my path. You know when I lie down, when I stand up. Even before word is on my tongue, you know it completely. So he knows our thinking. He knows so much about us. And when you come to attitudes of God, they can be quite difficult because there are similarities between us and God, but there's a lot of things that we just don't grasp. So this is a simple word in Greek, I know. It's a word you probably learned in your first year of Greek. The word is not so powerful. What is powerful is actually the person behind the word. So, for example, I've been to this church three times. And um, I kind of know your church. It's a lovely, welcoming church. Uh, it's got nice seats. I appreciate the seats. It's an old building. Um, I know some of the people in this church. I know Lee Handsome. He's not here this morning. I think he's away on holiday or somewhere. Um, I, I've been to some of your houses. I've been to two of your houses. I know um, the Lynch family. Um, so there's a lot I know about this, this church. But Andrew at the back there, Andrew knows a lot more about this church. Uh, he knows about... He would know most of your names. Would you know everyone's name in this room? More than 50%? Okay, I know about seven people. That's about it. Okay, so your knowledge is greater than my knowledge. I have knowledge, but you have knowledge. Um, you've probably been to more people's houses in this church than I have. How many people How many people have been to Andrew's house? Raise your hands. Whoa, that's more than, okay, that's more than the series of knowing going through the Revelation series. That's really cool. Okay, half the people in this church have been to your house, Okay. And so they know you. But at the same time, God knows us at a far higher level. He has 100% knowledge of us. He knows us intimately. And so when he says, I know you, this should bring reassurance. This should bring encouragement to us, a deep encouragement. We're going to be talking to, trusting someone who knows us deeply. I heard of a person once who went to get a passport in New Zealand. They went in and said their name was such and such. And they found out that their name wasn't the, the name that had been using all their life. They were about 30 years old. What happened is their parents had put a name down on the information 
And after a year, they liked this different name, so they changed her name. And her parents had died. And so when she went in to get her name, she figured out that's not her name. And she was kind of like, then she had to try and change it on her passport, and it was just really bizarre. And, and, and in fact, it actually upset her because she thought she knew who she was, and she didn't. So some of you people in this room, you might think you might be Mark, but actually your name might be something different. So you don't even know yourself 100%, whereas God knows exactly your name. Think of it this way, right? Where were you born? Oh, I was born in the Waikato. Really? Can you prove that 100%? Were you there? Do you remember? You were there. Maybe, just maybe, your parents went up to Auckland for the weekend and on the way home, boom, you were born before the Bombay Hills. And because your parents were embarrassed of Auckland, when they got back, they just wrote down, you were born the Waikato. You know that you were born on the side of the road in a car because you came quick, but they lied to you. Well, they didn't lie. They just didn't want you to have that disgrace of being born. It's kind of like Jesus. What good thing comes out of Nazareth? Where, did Jesus, where was Jesus born? Yeah. So God knows everything about us. C- could anyone in this room stand up and say they can absolutely guarantee where they were born? No. But God knows, knows all the hairs on the head, everything, which is, which is awesome. Now, just to remind you, that Yeah, I I have a verse. Um, Think about this way, Um, the Samaritan woman, right? Jesus knew everything about the Samaritan woman, right? Um, The woman said, uh, that woman answered him, I have no husband. And what does Jesus say? You are right. You have no husband for you have five husbands and the one you are now living with is not your husband. Jesus talks to this lady and he knows everything about her. And there's lots of verses in scriptures I could point to. This is just one example. And how does this lady respond? She goes back to her, her village. She drops the water jar, which I think is probably not a good thing to do. You don't leave your water jar behind. And she goes and says, come and see the man who told me everything I have done. This guy knows me. Therefore, he must be the Christ. He must be God. Pretty amazing. The other thing I think is, is quite amazing is this. He knows our good and our bad side. Okay? And yet he loves us still. He knows you 100% your good and your bad. There's nothing that's hidden from him. Um, when I was a younger man in my 20s, um, I really liked this stand-up comedian in his early days. He went on to having 60 years of, of comedian work. But in the early days, I appreciated his stand-up work. Um, and this person is called uh, Bill Cosby. And I would have paid to have dinner with this guy. In fact, I'd have loved to have a selfie with this guy. I appreciated his early work. But unfortunately, we know now that this guy was a very bad man. He drugged people, he molested people, and he's gone to, to jail because of it. And even mentioning him day today, his name today, I feel a little bit like, ah, I don't, I don't want to talk to this guy. I don't want to be near this guy. This guy has ruined many, many people's lives. Intentionally, not just accidentally. And yet at the same time, That Samaritan woman, God knew everything about her, and yet he loved her. He loves us. Now, most of us in this room are not really bad people, but you know what? We've still got 0.1% of cyanide in our sin, and yet God loves us. And so when we take communion this morning, we're coming towards a God 
who forgives us, who says, I welcome you to be my child, not because of our own performance, because we're really good, because God knows our dark side. He knows when we get angry at our children, even though we're smiling, that's nice. And you're like, hurry up, get changed. We've got to get to church. He knows when we have the slightest little bit of something inside us. Now, obviously, the Christian life is not about sitting in our sin, staying there. It's about progressing to transforming, uh, becoming new in Christ. But we don't become pure to come to Christ. We already we accept his purity, just like the woman at the well. Um, I love that verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. We're not to stay where we are. God's going to take us on an amazing journey. So Jesus reveals his character to introduce who he is so we can trust him. We can think, okay, this is the framework of who he is. Secondly, we move on to Jesus reveals his approval for these people. This is our second division. And he says in the text, I know you have but little power and you've kept my word and you have not denied my name. So Jesus tells this church, tells us these characteristics. Now we know that the Christian life is not about our self-power. We know it's about um, power in Jesus Christ. We can't live the Christian life. We need God in us. But when it's talking about little power here, it's more talking about influence. The kind of power here is they don't have the numbers to dominate society. They don't have the influence. They are the small amount of people. They're living in a culture where Christianity is not cool. And so yet they have little influence, little power. They're swimming against the tide. They're saying, no, we are not going to deny Jesus. And in many ways today in New Zealand, we're about 5% of, of Christians now. We are also now beginning like this church to swim against the tide where people are saying, no, steal, murder. We're going, no, honesty, truth. And so of little influence, yet we will still, they still uh, kept the word of God. Why is denying Jesus so important? Why is it something that Jesus reveals? When you look at these churches that you have so far, only two churches have no, um, no negative thing about them. And this is one of them. Jesus only mentions positive things. Why is this such a positive thing to mention? Well, if you look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven to be given to man and woman by which we may be saved. Okay? Now, this salvation, obviously in Greek, there's six different types of salvation, physical salvation, political. This is salvation of spiritual salvation. Okay? It's found in no one else. It's not found in a philosophy. It's not found in a lifestyle. It's found in a person uh, called Jesus Christ. This person has set us free from our sins by his blood. He died on Calvary. This is what we're celebrating this morning. He died for our sins. We're not adopting a lifestyle or a philosophy. We're adopting a person and what he did for us. We're adopting his righteousness into our life. He has set us free. John 1.29, the next day he saw, this is John, saw Jesus coming towards them and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Right? He's not saying, here comes a great teacher. You can learn from him and be self-developed and become better. No, he's saying, here is the person who will take away our sins, not yourself, but Jesus. Now, remember, these are Jewish boys. When they said, here comes the Lamb of God, they knew exactly what this meant. This is the Lamb that will atone for their sins. They knew Exodus very well. Again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through me. EICs, I am the way, the truth, and life. Once again, these are Jewish boys. They would have understood. He's referring to the temple. Uh, the temple is known as the way, the truth, 
um, and the life, okay? So they would have realized he's saying, I am the only way that you will come to God. Not a philosophy, not a lifestyle, but me. And so this is super important. Very, very important. Uh, this quality um, of, of not denying Jesus because this is what makes us Christians. It is absolutely um, preeminent in our life. Colossians talks about this. Uh, it's not prominent. Prominent means one of many. I've got Jesus. I've got my well-being. I've got a little bit of this, a bit of yo, whatever. I've got all this cool stuff going on, and I take a little bit of everything. No, he's saying that I don't deny Jesus. This is the only thing that brings me my righteousness. He's not prominent. Prominent one of many, preeminent the only one on its level, which is pretty cool. Also, you see there, keeping the word. Um, and this keeping the word also refers to keeping the promise of God. The word points us to the promise of God. And so what is the promise of God? If we come to Jesus and we abide in Jesus. This is the two things we do in, in our Christian faith, right? Is to come to Jesus, biblical words, or the other biblical word is to believe in Jesus, to abide in him, to remain in him. This is what we do. This is what the word of God points us to. Not a philosophy, not a lifestyle, although there's a lifestyle consequence, but it points us to Jesus and what he's done. And this is something we can mix up. The Pharisees mix this up. Jesus talks about this a lot. He says, you search the scriptures because you think by them you have eternal life, right? It's not the scriptures we have eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, the promise. So keeping the word is keeping our righteousness, why I can take communion, why I can walk before God, is not that I know my Bible, not that I go to church every Sunday, although it's great. It's a great, beta, great place to be today, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Okay, um, just want to talk about a framework that I found helpful. Um, the book of Proverbs gives us a framework for understanding keeping God's word, and I just want to share that with you. So why do we read Proverbs? Why do we need Proverbs? Because we need to navigate through life. And what does Proverbs does? It teaches us wisdom. So Proverbs is basically how to navigate through life successfully. Now, stay with me for a little bit as I just sort of segue sideways away from our passage, but you'll get the point in the end. So we need this wisdom, which is what? It's God's word. It's a practical knowledge of how to interact with people, how to interpret uh, a conversation, how to interpret a decision, how to respond to what's before me in my life. And so Proverbs basically presents Four different types of people. Um, and I've got a diagram here. It's got four different types of people. I've simplified the diagram because last night I realized probably too hard to see. So basically you have these four different types of people in Proverbs. You have the people who are before God, who are naive. They're called simple, naive, inexperienced, gullible. Now, this is good. This is a natural. This is a, a thing to be celebrated. When you're young, you're naturally naive. You're growing up. You're learning. One of my children, uh, one night, I said to her, um, do you know the word gullible is not in the dictionary? And she went, yeah, wow, that's amazing. And I said, no, I was just tricking you. And she got really upset at me. So gullible is, is, is okay when you're young. You're, you're young. You're naive. You don't know about certain things. When I was young, I didn't know about wives and children and mortgages, and I just didn't know. And as you grow up, you learn about all the exciting things in life. So it's an okay, it's a legitimate stage. The second category it describes is 
um, the scoffer, someone who's above God, who says, um, you know, God's got it wrong. I'm going to mock God. Um, I'm against God's counsel. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Then you've got the, the beyond, the full. This is a person who doesn't take God in consideration. The mocker says, you know, God is totally wrong on the subject. The fool goes, um, what shall I do? Just relies on his own thoughts, his own feelings. Then we have the, the, the wise person, the one under God who submits himself to God, who says God is loving, God is kind, God is all-powerful. And therefore, I want to trust God. I want to be under his word, and I want to live my life. I mean, Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so it's when we fear God. Now, when I say the word fear, I don't mean like fear your wife if you're late home. I'm talking about fear as in like deep respect. It's this, this fear that you will, your mind, your will and actions totally respect who it is. So I guess if Richie McCall walked through the door, I'd say, hi, Richie, have a seat. Let me tell you about Jesus. Respect that person uh, with admiration. I love um, Charles, he, he wrote this, and I thought rather than just, I'll just read it to you. It's, it's really cool. But what is the fear of the Lord? It is that affection reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully towards his father's law. God wrath is so bitter, his love is so sweet, that we have this earnest desire to please him and to fear him so that we're not sin against him. He enters into every idea, every thought, every thing in our life. And so you have these four basic people. So the simple person, the naive person, the legitimate place, his relationship with God is undeveloped. The scoffer, their relationship is hostile to God. The wise person is in relationship with God. Now, here's my question for you. Which of these four types of people, these four types of attitude, do you see in your life right now? Um, now, there are many aspects to our life, um, but where would you put yourself right now? I'm going to ask for a show of hands. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, are you naive, are you above, before, beyond, or under God's root? Now, I'm not going to ask you publicly, but you think about that question. Where are you at? Maybe a more fun question is, where's your best friend at? Let's put them in the, in the categories. You know, it's not about me. Oh, that was an awesome sermon. That's about my friend. So where would you put your friend in this categories? Now, I just want to say, uh, this is a bit of a trick question in many ways, um, because there are many aspects to our life. And sometimes I think we can operate in different categories. For example, you might know God's view on money, Right. I counted 54 verses in Proverbs that talks about money. You might know 54 verses about money in Proverbs. You might know all the teachings of Jesus about money. And you might be applying them in your life and seeing the fruit of God's understanding of finances. Because who made money? God. Who designed work? God. But, say in the area of your relationships, you might be above God. You might say, God, you are totally out of date. You don't understand sexual identity anymore. You know, we've moved on from your archaic rules. I'm going to do what I want to do. You are just out of date. You might not say it publicly, but in your actions and your attitudes, that's what you do. That's how you live your life. Or it might be another way. You might not know anything about God's way of doing finances and be naive. You're still learning. Didn't even know there's 54 verses and problems about money. What are they? 
How do they affect my life? But at the same time, you might understand God's design for you, your sexual identity in God, your personal identity in God. You might know the verses and be applying it in your life. So there's the better question for you. Maybe in these areas of your life, your relationship, your money, your power, your job, your career, your your recreation, are you before? Are you naive? Are you above? Are you beyond God or are you under God's word? Which one are you in? Maybe this week, take some time to think about this question. Um, as things come up, as that new car comes up, oh, should I buy this new car? Start thinking about what's the decision I'm making? Oh, this relationship's coming into my life. Think about how am I, how am I applying God's word in this, where I am I am in this categories? Just a quick word of, of how to tell or how to um, explore these better would be take a trusted friend out for coffee. Have a coffee with a trusted friend and talk about the issue. Hey, this week I've got this new relationship or I, I want to buy this car. What do you think? This is, my, this is what I'm thinking. Am I crazy? Where am I? Am I naive? Am I a fool? Or am I under God? Um, go out with coffee with a pastor. Take him for coffee. You probably appreciate that. Um, are you aware of the Bible? Do you know verses on these, these subjects? Um, and do you read God's word regularly so that you're actually aware of God's wisdom? Now, I don't say read God's word so that you can feel good. How many of you read God's word this morning? Okay. Now, now you put up your hand. How do you feel? You probably feel like, oh, I feel good because I did it. Phew. And if you didn't put up your hand this morning, you're probably feeling, oh, no. Didn't put my hand up. Twice. One, I don't know we're in the series of revelations. And secondly, I didn't read my Bible. But actually, it's not about reading your Bible that should make you feel, because that's just a tick box. The question is this. Did you read the scriptures this week and see God's wisdom for your life and then come under God's wisdom? That is the greater question. Not, did you read, tick, I feel so good. Oh, I, did, I went to bed last night. I didn't read God's word. I feel miserable. No, no. Did you read God's word sometime this week and did it, did it affect your life? Okay, so I've been talking a little bit. Um, I have a little game I want to play with some cards. I need a volunteer, but I want someone who is um, uh, brave, who doesn't mind standing in public, who's not shy, um, but also wants a chocolate bar because I've got chocolate bars. So if you're brave and you'd like to play a game with me, uh, remember last time I was here, I gave um, Lee Hansen a chocolate bar and I said, wait to the end of the service and then you can open it because you've got to wait for Christ. And one day my redeemer will come. Today I'm going to play another game with a chocolate bar. Got some chocolate bars. Dun, 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 dun. So who would like to volunteer? Who feels brave enough to volunteer? There you go. Thank you. Come forward. Are you a first time caller? Are you a first time caller to the stage? Okay, can you stand over here? Because I know there's a glass mirror that you could probably like look in. So I'm going to give you a card. It's a pretty simple game. And you get a chocolate bar if you get it right. Deal? Lots of... Oh, good girl. Okay, good. So I'm going to just shuffle these. Okay. Okay. And hold that card up nice and high. Okay, so um, if you get it right, you get the chocolate bar because you want to enjoy life. And I've got, ooh, some good chocolate. So what are you? I'm going to go with the nine of hearts. Ah, I am so sorry. Okay, but I am a, such a kind guy. I'm going to have a, again another chance. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Another chance. Dun, 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 dun. There you go. Okay, hold up. What do you think you are? No, 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 no help. 
Although, you know what? That's good. That's good. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, no one say anything, okay? Um, sound guy, Mark, what is she? Five of diamonds. Okay, what are you? Chocolate bar. What are you? Queen of diamonds. No. She's good because she knows she's not going to trust attractive young men at the back. She knows that it's wise to be very careful of young men. Very good. I like that. Very, very good. You're going to get a chocolate bar for that. So you try to trust your own ability. Now there's other people in society and you've decided not to trust them. Let's do this again. Okay, here we go. There's another card. Hold that one. Who do you trust? Do you trust me? No. Okay, who do you trust? Who do you trust? I don't even trust myself. Right okay, now. that's right. Who do you trust out here? <laughs> Come on, there's someone out here you trust. I know with Sam. Sam, okay, Sam, you have to be a good guy now. <laughs> Sam, be a good guy. Um, because you know, and how long you know and stand for? Oh, three or four years. Okay, cool. So you know him. You've seen his character. You've know his attributes. Okay, Sam. What is she? Be nice. Okay, what are you? We'll go with Ace of Hearts. Well done. Didn't trust the young guy at the back. Well, I don't know him. Okay, cool. <laughs> you don't know the guy at the back. You can choose a chocolate. What? What do you want to choose? Okay. Does anyone else want to play this game? Does anyone want to have burning? Have a go. Who wants to have a go? Sam, come on up here. Come on. Come on, Sam. This illustration is just trying to draw out what we talked about. Do I trust myself? I know there's 52 cards, probably a joker in here too. I know there's red ones and blue ones. I know about, I can, I don't have to trust God. I can trust myself. Or do I trust what other friends are telling me? That cute guy at the back. Or do I trust someone I know who's got good quality? Okay, here we go. Here's a card. Oh, you come over there. There's that. You can see over there. Don't cheat. Okay. 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 There you go. Do you want to trust your own abilities? You're quite a smart young guy. You know this. Or do you want to do you want to trust the cute guy at the back? Or is there someone here you really trust? Who do you really trust? Oh, not that row. <laughs> This is a really good church, eh? He's struggling to find someone he trusts. My gosh. Hook and Nui. Trust someone. You trust somebody. What about Andrew? He's an elder. No, definitely not. What? <laughs> no. Okay, who do you... Got a mum and dad? Someone? Uh, not here. I'm just going to pick somebody who doesn't feel comfortable enough to betray me. Ooh. <laughs> um, Neil, you won't betray me. Okay, Neil, please be good. What is he? Oh, no, you got to be good. Be good. This is... Uh, King of Hearts. What are you? Ace of Spades. <laughs> you can have a chocolate. You can have a chocolate. They're so cruel to you. Man, this church, there's no one you trust. But you know what? There is someone you can trust, and that is God. If you read through the Bible, how many times has God got it wrong? How many times in the Bible has God lost a war? How many times has God said, I think you have five husbands and the one you're with is not? How many times has God got anything wrong? When Jesus says, you are thinking evil thoughts, get up and take your mat. God knows us perfectly. And so we've got this, um, we've got this, uh, this thing that we can follow. All right. So think about this week. I know some of you like diagrams, and I know some of you like creative ideas, but think about it. What difference does this make? How big a difference? It's a huge difference. When we take our reverence for God, not the pretty guy at the back, 
not for somebody else. When we take that respect and we give it to God with my actions, my thoughts, my enjoyments, my aim, there's a total exposure, there's full in. There's a completely different lifestyle. I did this illustration because it's kind of like a tattoo. When you get a tattoo, you've got to be fully in because it's going to make a huge difference to your life. It's going to make a monstrous difference. All right, so let's, um, let's move on to our final division. Jesus reveals his encouragement. We've got his character, which is super important because if you know you can trust someone, then we've got his approval, keeping God's word, and now we've got the encouragement here. So in verses 9, we see the word behold. If you've got the NIV, it says seek. So behold these things that I'm going to do. Be encouraged, be reassured. First of all, certainty of salvation. They have been kicked out of the what? The church. And yet he's saying, I am the one who can open the door or close the door. It's not the church. It's not your friend. I have got the key. So this is very encouraging. You imagine growing up in a synagogue, you've been reading God's word, and they kick you out. And you're thinking, what's going on? Have I missed, the, have I missed up? And Jesus is encouraging him, saying, no, I have the doors. You have followed Jesus. You've been kicked out because you follow Jesus. You are now trusting Jesus alone for your righteousness. You still do good, but you're not trusting the law. Conversion, they're going to come and acknowledge that these guys are right. There might be a salvation conversion or just a conversion of ideas. Don't know. The clarity, they are the people of God. For a Jewish person being kicked out of the synagogue, they're like, oh, no, am I? The... They are going to be seen as authentic. They are the people of God. They're going to have their heavenly respect, the crown, the conqueror. The conqueror is Jesus. Jesus has the victory. He has the Nike. And when we have Jesus, we have victory, not victory in ourselves. And then we have this closeness, this personal closeness with God. We're going to be the pillars in the temple, basically meaning we're going to be right with God. The closeness with God, we're not going to be moving on. Um, my son is in Auckland uh, studying paramedic, um, and he's going to a brand new church this weekend. So hopefully that church will reach out and hug him. And if you're new here today, I think this church is going to feed you so, uh, or welcome you. So if you're new, get involved in this church, get uh, serve. And I'm hoping that the people in Auckland this weekend will love my son as well. Uh, he does play bass, so hopefully they'll use him in the worship team. Anyway, he's at AU2 studying to be a paramedic. And his first week, he did a course called How to Introduce Yourself. And I thought that was quite funny. He says, Dad, you have to learn how to introduce yourself. Why would you have to learn how to introduce yourself as a paramedic? Because you go to the situation, the person's in pain, and you say, hi, I'm a paramedic, you had all the gear on, and I'm here to help you, blah, blah, blah. In fact, on his shirt, it says, student paramedic. So if you see him coming, you probably want to run, because as a student, you're like, can I have the other guy, the, the one who's fully trained, please? But once we know the character, the character of God, then there can be insurance and trust. And we look at this list, we go, oh, yeah, certainty of salvation, uh, conversion, oh, yeah, whatever. You don't sort of take these that seriously. You can sort of brush over. But when you understand who God is, these become more powerful. Guaranteed salvation, guaranteed acknowledgement, guaranteed you are the people of God. So, for example, if you were to drive over to my house um, one afternoon and um, and I'll be usually outside talking to my neighbor. I have a Christian neighbor, really nice man. He, he's got a lovely swimming pool. There's a swimming pool. Um, he lets me go in his swimming pool. He's a lovely Christian man. And I talked to him. He went away for a week during the hottest week of the year. Um, when was it? January, Natasha? Some, 
And he said, use my pole. And I'm like, sweet. So we went over every day and used his pole. Lovely Christian guy. So we often talk outside. He says, how's your running going? And I ask him, how's biking's going? So you drive over to my house and we're standing there talking as we normally do. And you say, I think I'm in trouble. I think I'm having a stroke. On the way over, I had this, this. I'm feeling terrible. I'm feeling very, very scared. And I ask you a few questions. My neighbor asks you a few questions. You answer the questions. My neighbor, my neighbor asks you to do a few little exercises, touch your nose, and you do them. And you are just freaking out and panicking. Okay? And my neighbor says, oh, you'll be fine. Get out of your car. We're going to go for a nice walk around my property. I'll show you my trees and have a glass of water. Now, if you're a new, normal human being, you're saying, what is wrong with this person? I am in great danger. Okay, but let's step back a little bit. Let me tell you about my neighbor. My neighbor is a doctor. He's a neurologist. He's studied the brain, particularly strokes. He's the head of the stroke ward at Waikato University. You've arrived at my house. You think you're having a stroke. He asks you some questions. He gets you to do a few exercises. Then he tells you you're going to be fine. If you know the character of my neighbor and who he is, there should be a level of calmness that comes into you. There should be a level of trust that comes into you. Same as Jesus Christ. When we know his character, we know who he is, we can say, right, I'm going to trust him with my money, my relationships, my career. I'm going to trust him with the most important thing, my problem of my sin. I'm going to give up on my self-effort and I'm going to trust this blood, this bread for my salvation. And it makes a huge, huge difference. So this week, think about it. Think about the character of God and the promises of God. The promises make much more impact once we know God. When my neighbor says to you, no, you're okay, you're not having a stroke. He's the top guy. He's the head of the stroke department. He knows it, he'll tell you it. And same with God. I like Shadrach, Meshach, and off to bed you go. When they got in trouble, the king says, bow down. You have little power. You're just... You know, you should bow down to our, our gods. They said, no, we know God. We know that he is more powerful than chucking us into a fire. And even if he doesn't, we know he's sovereign and we're not going to do that. So when we know God, it makes a horrific, significant difference in our life. Have a think about that this week. Let me close in prayer and then uh, we'll move on to uh, celebrating not the philosophy, but the person who has given us the absolute encouragement. Father God, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that it is 2,000 years old, but we thank you that it's relevant for us today. Lord, I thank you that you shared us your character. And I pray, Lord, as we learn about your character more and more each day, that we can learn to trust you. Lord, I thank you that you've given us so many promises and scriptures, Lord. Thank you that you have solved our greatest problem, Lord, that you have fixed, destroyed, um, blotted away our sins, Lord. And you have given us the ability to have an amazing life, Lord, a successful life, a life full of joy, because you know what true joy is, Lord. All God's people said, amen. Amen.